All right. Welcome back to Failure TV. I am Trey Mitchell. Uh, today on the show, I am very proud to have Paul Webster. He is the National Development Coach for Curling Canada. He's participated in 14 World Curling Championships. He has been part of the coaching staff for the past three Olympic teams and was recently appointed to the Board of Directors for the Coaching Association of Canada. Welcome, Paul. How are you doing? Yeah, great. Thanks. Great. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Thank you very much for participating. Um, so um, I've given a little bit of an overview here on uh, what people can expect uh, about you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you're currently working on in terms of uh, curling? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I've been coaching uh, professionally for the last uh, 15 years now with, with Canada and, and uh, was formerly a high school teacher and uh, got into coaching because uh, I had to, I was teaching full time and couldn't play as much, so I um, started focusing on the coaching, and that sort of took over my life. So I've been in Calgary since 2004, and um, been working with them uh, since then. 2006, my first Olympics. Uh, today, uh, you know, we're um, I think 95 days away from the start of the uh, 2018 Olympic Winter Games in South Korea. So we're we're knee deep in that uh, right now. Our Olympic pre-trials are starting uh, today in Summerside PEI. So. We're slowly starting the process to um, pick our Canadian Olympic teams for um, 2018. And then, um, you know, so we're just waiting for the Olympics, really. And it's, uh, there's a whole lot of uh, T's to cross and I's to dot right now. Um, but it's, uh, it's becoming real now that we're within that 100-day marker. Absolutely. And that's uh, also very exciting. But uh, it also brings up uh, a couple of uh, pretty good questions for me right off the bat. Um, when you're preparing for an event like this and you're looking at uh, selecting different people um, to, to go on the team or to participate in these type of events, uh, what kind of stuff are you looking for from your athletes uh, when they're going into this kind of stuff, when it's this this uh, level of competition? Yeah, we do. It's, a, it's sort of a battle of attrition, really, the way we do it. So we don't do any selection of athletes whatsoever. So it's a, it's a full two-year points chase that these uh, teams get into. Um, so they actually... Uh, pick their own teams in curling, right? I would say, and without uh, a full uh, full research, um, we'd be the only sport in uh, in the world that uh, chooses our Olympic teams the way we do um, by allowing them to self-select and, and so on. That said, that self-selection um, becomes, so after this Olympic cycle, those teams are going to be looking for that next uh, four-year program and, and um, calendar to say, okay, who do we need? And a lot of that is, um, I mean, talent has come out, number one. We're looking for people who, who A, have the talent to, to make shots. Uh, and then, B, it's, uh, it's, it's that talent under pressure as well. So there's, there's a lot of talented athletes that uh, when the going gets tough, they, they exit through the side door. Um, so we're, you know, those conversations will be happening soon after our Olympic trials and Olympics where the teams are saying, okay, so do we have the, the four people on our, our team that are going to, make a run at the 2022 Olympics, or do we need to uh, readjust and, and add some strength in a certain position? Absolutely. Um, when people are preparing for, for this type of uh, event and they're training for so long, uh, is there anything specific that they're focusing on in their training to try and get towards this goal? Or is it just overall trying to increase their overall skill set uh, throughout, um, throughout the training? Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Because right right now it's kind of at a time where you've got um, where we're starting that process. We've got to do a really thorough evaluation of what we got right now. So there's there's discussion at the start of the season at the end of last season to say where do we want to be and what do we need to work on. But now we've got to cut that thinking loose and really work on okay, did we get there? 
but even if we didn't, but even if we didn't, what do we have? And then how do we use those strengths and weaknesses that we currently have um, to ensure that we can, uh, we maximize our potential for winning games. Um, and then it's just checking into the realities of that. So it's um, the, our best teams are very um, realistic in terms of what they bring to the table. Our teams that aren't going to succeed are, are still got some wishful thinking there. Right. And there's a, um, there's evaluation. I'm just going to close my office door here as we uh, go forward. Um, so there's, there's that, uh, and it's interesting to see those teams as a, as a coach, we don't work uh, as a Canadian coach. When teams put up their hands, we come and help them, right? So we don't dictate that they have to work with us. When they go to the World Championships Olympics, we have a team that surrounds them and fulfills roles that they want to do. Um, but those teams that are trying to make it there. So we've got this pre-trials competition that uh, we, we've um, created the last three Olympic cycles. A lot of that is just to create Olympic opportunity for our younger teams. Um, and we want them to either fail or succeed with something Olympic tagged to it um, and then make those next steps. Um, but it's interesting to see those teams that are like, you know, gung-ho, here we go. But you can almost tell based on how they're talking if they're actually going to win some games or, or get to that next level, um, whether that's the Olympic trials coming up here in December or if it's the Olympics coming up in February. The, um, our most successful teams are those, they, they have a pretty clear mirror in front of them and, and recognize, okay, this is what I bring to the table in the, in the great side of things, and these are our weaknesses, and we have to acknowledge both um, to be able to succeed. If we're just sort of lying to each other, um, then we're not going to be able and try to build on things that we don't have. The, the wins aren't going to come. So it's uh, those older experienced athletes um, really get it and just sort of find a way to win with what they have. That's pretty awesome. I like uh, how you mentioned that um, whether it's a failure or a success, you, you still want them to, to get to that point where they're getting that either failures uh, or success. And obviously you've had quite a bit of success in the past. Um, you had worked with the gold, a couple of gold medal teams that were in Sochi. Now, when you're talking about failure, um, I know sport is kind of different when it comes to failure and success. Uh, a great quote that I like uh, from Billie Jean King was, champions keep playing until they get it right. Um, so from, from your perspective, what would you consider to be a failure uh, when you're training for something like this? Well, I mean, they, uh, it's funny. I remember one of our first talks, I think it was back in 2003, I was at a, one of our development camps and Randy Furby, who was uh, one of our all, all-time greats in, in our sport, a five-time world champion. And um, he was talking to a, a young group of our athletes, a number of them who are current uh, Olympic champions and so on at the, um, nowadays. Um, and he said, you know, the one question I'm glad you didn't ask is what I've lost. Because we talk about all the wins because he, he mentioned, you know, to get there, um, sadly and frustratingly, you've got to go through all those events and, and lose them a couple of times um, before you realize how to win them. And I think all those top athletes are going to recognize um, and acknowledge that uh, after they, you know, talk to them five, 10, 15 years into their career and they're going to, they're going to nod their head and go, yeah, when we're 18, 19 in our sport, so our, you know, for those people that are on curling, we have a late development sport. It's getting younger and younger, but it's much like golf. So if you watch golf on TV, um, you know, our average age, our top um, champions are in their 30s, um, where a lot of those young sports are teenage and young 20s. Now, we do have a lot of uh, young 20-year-olds that are succeeding very well at our sport, but you, you talk to those guys in their 30s, even 40s. We have uh, Glenn Howard, who's currently skipping in, um, in PEI, is uh, 53 right now. Um, 
and he'll look in the eye. He's a, he's a multiple world champion. He'll look in the eye and go, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's the, it's the losses that taught me more than the wins. And sometimes you fluke out with the wins, but it's, it's, um, I think the, the failures, because it's failure TV, um, yeah. the failures uh, really make you look in the mirror harder. And those, those champions in our sport recognize, okay, it's those times after we lose um, that we got to be brutally honest with ourselves and say, what do we need to improve? And in life, it's really, it's, it's a hard thing to do to look yourself in the mirror and say that these are my deficiencies and here's, um, here's where I can improve. The harder one is, you know what, these are my deficiencies and there, there may be a couple that I can't improve. Um, so what are those areas that I just need to acknowledge aren't going to be there? And how do I build upon some other areas to ensure I give myself um, a better chance of succeeding the next time? Absolutely. And obviously, um, in, in terms of uh, technology and things, the, the way you um, train and the way you monitor athletes has changed dramatically, uh, especially over the past 10, 15 years. Um, so when somebody comes to you with uh, specific uh, deficiencies that they've identified, uh, what kind of stuff will you do with them and work on them with? And like, how do you, how do you figure out how to, how to move them forward and what kind of stuff are you monitoring for that? Well, the big thing first, we, we have to acknowledge if it is a weakness. Like I always use the line. So, you know, I do a lot of uh, swing coaching, if you will, if it was golf. So a lot of my focus in the training environment is on delivery mechanics and so on. And what I want our top athletes and even our developing athletes to know is that if, uh, you know, if I'm walking down the sidewalk one day and I trip and stumble, um, I don't phone my mom and do a full reevaluation of how we uh, learned how to walk. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the once in a while, there, there are small failures in our lives that, we need to um, acknowledge and see they're there, but don't need to overanalyze sometimes. Now, if it keeps happening over and over again, then we need to have, and that's a, an idea of, we, we have to have the data to back up um, if it is a true deficiency or failure um, to ensure that we need to build on something. Um, and then we just, we need to have the, the data there. So then once we have the data, whether it's a scoreboard management or strategy or a delivery mechanic, then we work on making those changes. And that's where the, the all is putting the time and effort into um, fixing and reevaluating and um, making those new changes in the, and um, the athletic uh, improvements their own, where a lot, of, uh, a lot of people don't have the effort. Right? They, they look at what they bring to the table and they've been pretty successful. And, and uh, what they don't acknowledge is that they're okay with pretty successful. Our champions aren't okay you know, with just okay. Um, they want to make those next adjustments. Um, you know, I've got uh, an opportunity coming up here in a couple of weeks to, I'm heading up to Sault Ste. Marie to, to practice with our, our reigning gold medalists um, as they prepare for the next Olympic trials. I then come back right into uh, Calgary to work with, uh, so that's team Brad Jacobs up in Sault Ste. Marie. I then come back in to work with, um, with Kevin Takui's team. So they're multiple world champions, most recently in 2016. And they're all wanting to put their ducks in a row to ensure that uh, they're ready for that big competition in December because um, they all want to get to those Olympics as well. Absolutely. Now, do you think when, when they're training for these type of things, um, when, when they come across their own deficiencies or failures, do you think when it happens publicly, they're a little bit more hard on themselves trying to push forward to trying to overcome those versus if they're doing it in like trials and, and testing during the training phase, come up against some deficiencies. Do you, do you think happening on a, on a public scale, like if it happened at a big competition or at the Olympics or at the Briar, would that give them more kind of 
push towards wanting to correct those and work on those? Or is it pretty much the same, whether it's going to be a public failure or something in training, they're still going to work as hard if they're those top level athletes? Yeah, I, th I think it all based on, I mean, there's different personalities, of course. Um, but I would say the common thread that uh, you see amongst our top athletes is they're not waiting for a public failure to make the changes. They're, they look towards their teammates, their coaches, and the data that's in front of them say, okay, you know what, here's where we got to improve. And it, it's those, um, those analysis, those um, analyzation of the gaps that we do on an ongoing basis. So when we finish off in 2014 as a, as a country, we're looking to say, where are those gaps we currently have? Even though we want some good stuff, um, that's, that's the end of that chapter. And we could easily just throw those medals around our neck for the next 12 to 18 months and celebrate and, and have a good time. But we, we have to acknowledge that the, the rest of the world is getting better. Um, and it, honestly, our, our top teams do that. They're able to flip that page pretty quick um, and then say, okay, where are we going to next? And I think if you talk to teams that uh, have those championships and they, they look on, what you want to see is that if you won the world championship in 2012 and you won it in 2017, um, the majority of those teams are going to say, you know, that 2017 was way better than that 2012 team, um, as opposed to, you know, we coasted and lucked out and uh, things worked out. And on, uh, th that does happen every once in a while. But our, um, our top teams are always looking to make those minute adjustments because, you know, our lives are, are, um, are pretty much out there. And so if you talk about failures and stuff, there's a scoreboard. So if we don't score more points than the other team, then, then we lose. And if we don't win more games than the other teams at the, uh, at the Olympics coming up in, in Korea, then, then we don't get a medal. Um, so it's, it's right out there. We want to acknowledge um, ahead of time that we've worked on those weaknesses that we saw, maintain those strengths that we, we knew we had, because um, we want to go in there with that self-confidence that we've improved as a country or improved as a team going into that event. Um, and honestly, there, you might look around and, and see stuff that you weren't expecting. But what I don't want to go into event is knowing that there's countries that have worked harder than us. Um, and we just got to hope that stuff's going to uh, work themselves out. Um, we got to go in there, you know, with that self-confidence that we've, we've improved. We've, we've worked and trained really hard and we've done all we can. And it's sport. It's an interesting thing about sports. You, you can't, uh, you can't script it. Um, if honestly, if you told me we we're going into 2018, we we're going to win three gold medals. I'm not sure if I could go. I don't know if the challenge would be, uh, would be fun enough to get in there if we just knew we were going to win medals. Um, going in there, especially in curling today with all the other countries making huge headways and, and it's, a, it's a true competition and there's going to be nine teams there that are, are battling out to see uh, who can win medals and uh, 10 teams, sorry. Um, and the, the awesome thing is I don't know who's going to get the medals. I'd like to personally believe that um, we have the, you know, the talent and the, and the work ethic and, and so on that we're going to be on that podium but I'm not going to say to you because we won gold medals in 2014 that that's going to at least get us a bronze in 2018 because um, that's not our mindset. Our mindset is that's a, that's a great history of our sport, but we, we're starting from scratch in our minds um, once those Olympics were finished. Absolutely. And uh, I think you're really right on when you're comparing against other teams because you can train and train and train and, and train, but you got to remember that the other teams are also doing the same thing. Um, kind of reminded me a little bit I read a great article on Nike and the amount of research and development they do in terms of being a company targeted towards sport, um, the amount of research that they do in each sport to try and find the best possible way to give a shoe 
um, a little bit more so those athletes who are constantly training can get just a little bit more out of their training um, because of their shoes is simply amazing. Like 20 years ago, they weren't really looking into that, but now they're spending more money than anybody else on the research and development specifically because they want the athletes wearing their shoes who are training to be able to push, pull out that little bit extra from wherever it is. And if, if that shoe can cut off, you know, a fraction of a time or get them to push a little bit further, then it'll really help. Um, But it also makes me think, you know, we're always striving for that perfection um, to become the the top of the line. Do you think there's any cons to always striving for the perfection? Is it, is it desirable to try and reach that perfection or is it just trying to reach uh, a higher level each time rather than reaching perfection? You're just trying to get a little bit higher each time. Oh, I'd like to think that our motto is not the, the relentless pursuit of mediocrity. That's for sure. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's trying to, is if it's perfection, then sure. Um, you know, there's another way to look at it too, is just we're, we're always trying to um, find improvement. And um, I think if you look at the successful people across anything, whether it's sport or business, they're not happy with yesterday. And yesterday with a lot of those top people was success. Um, they're, they're looking to that next um, possible. And then the interesting thing, the next possibility for success equals the next possibility for failure. Um, th- mm-hmm. Those people that are, are happy to chase success absolutely understand the failure is part of the process and um they keep they keep trying they keep coming back to the to the drawing board and say okay that didn't work um and those people that don't get it right they fail and they go oh okay well that's that's not what we're supposed to be doing then yeah uh, so we're just going to try something else so they they might drop out of the sport or whatever it might be right so it's uh it anyway it's it's um you know those the pursuit of perfection, I think, is it's easy to say it's a negative thing. I think the majority of people that say it's a negative thing don't get why we're doing that. And, and I say that from a personal standpoint. Like, from a coaching side, it's easy for me to say this is what we're up to. I couldn't do the athlete stand. Like, I recognize, A, I, don't, I didn't have the talent, don't have the talent. Um, I love playing uh, the sport I coach. Um, but the work ethic and time those guys put in and girls, um, I, I easily recognize that's not me. Yeah. Um, so then, then finding a different way to do that is key. So um, I think there's roles to play in that sport. So I love standing back and watching those teams do what they do. Um, I think the it's it's there's a lot of people out there that will will say to you brutally honestly that's me too, and I could do that, but I just choose not to. I'm, I'm I think it's uh, it took me uh, two seconds to realize, holy geez, like a that is unbelievable what they do and I can't do it, but where can you, you know, and then there's, there's people like myself in the background, they're, they're absolute cheerleaders. And then sometimes we're the, we're the people who hold up the mirror and say, you know, are you doing what you need to be doing? And, um, you know, a lot of the feedback I get from, from the athletes and and teams I work with is, um, you know, I I don't really go around the corner to find a, a, a nice way to dress up the comments I have. I'm pretty straightforward with, with where I am, but I think that's our role in, in, in high performance, whether it's in, in business or sport to say, you know what? No, it's not a, it's not, what we said we're going to do. And it's not equaling uh, what we, uh, what we need to be doing. One of the best quotes I, I've heard in a long time is, is good enough is not good enough. And it's, it's so easy to say that, you know, what? that's, that's good enough. And then we move on. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, those moments when we say, or think, you know, that's good enough. We don't make the comments or don't confront um, what we all know we need to confront. Um, where the, the really high performers, they, 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 again, it's full stop. Okay. 
that's not good enough. So where is perfect, right? And that relentless, that relentless pursuit of perfection then is, is the reason why a lot of those, um, a lot of those peoples and teams in our, um, in our midst is, are, you know, winning. I think there's a stat on the NBA, San Antonio Spurs. Um, and I think the number of days with a, some weird stat, you need to look it up for, because it was like the number of days, consecutive days with a losing record in the last like 15 years or something was like 78 days. It's like a weird small number. The next team to them was in the 700s. So whatever, I'm probably messing up the actual stat. But you, you just look at that; uh, those teams, right? And Detroit was there for the longest time. Red Wings, with how many years they've been in the playoffs, and they lost out, I think, two years ago for the first time in like twenty-five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but so those organizations that um, were bred to just continue to uh, to find perfection and find the people that can fit into those organizations. I had a great opportunity last Olympics to sit with Ken Holland, who's the GM of the Detroit Red Wings, and. We had a couple of beers on one of the first uh, hockey nights uh, back in the village and um, just asked, just picking his brain. Like he did, here's a, here's a high school educated guy who's been one of the best general managers in the national hockey league um, for the, and you know, he always comes back to people and it's always finding those, those, the right people for the right job, but then acknowledging when the people aren't right. Yeah. Um, so many times and so many times in, uh, in life, we, because of relationships, it, it's hard to cut, the dead would lose sometimes, right? So you, mm-hmm. you acknowledge people, but I think if we if we treated uh, if we treated life and, and business like sport, sometimes especially professional sport, um, we'd be able to say that you know you're the right person right now, and you're that you're that all star. So New York Yankees get uh, chast, you know, um, thrown to the wolves all the time because they're always trying to grab that that right person. But imagine if we could do that in business, right? Who's the best person in marketing that we need right now? Well, let's go yeah. sign him. And I look at you and you're my current marketing guy and say, you know what? You're really good four years ago. Um, you're not. So here's the check and, uh, and off you go. Um, and I think that's, you know, with, the, with curling, if we bring it back there, that's what these athletes are doing because they, they got this dream of, of heading to the Olympics in four years. And they need to surround themselves with three other people um, to make that dream come true. So they, they have to have a hard look. And, um, you know, those teams need to make some hard changes. And if they don't, they realize that that was an opportunity missed sometimes. Um, and sometimes you look around and you go, you know what, this, this is the team. So th- these are the four people that we need to, to win the next gold medal. And then these are the changes we need to make. Um, but sometimes the change is, is a personnel thing. And uh, that's one of the toughest ones to realize. Absolutely. Now, bringing that up again, um, have you ever seen or run into an instance where uh, a team was working really well together in in terms of the team side of things for the sport, but like off the ice, um, they, they were having issues. So um, they worked really really well as a team when it came to the sport side of things, but in the in the personal side of things, it didn't really work out as well. Have you ever seen anything like that? Oh, all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our um, from our sport, they they spend a lot of times traveling and so on, right? Yeah, I, I think the key thing is there is recognizing when you have to perform as a team and when you don't. And once you realize that, so if we're bringing the performance on the ice, and I have to be personally um, honest with myself and my team to say if that's what I want. There are some athletes in our sport that can totally uh, focus on the ice and and the on-ice performance and the results and then step off the ice and understand that you and I aren't going to get along and they're okay with that. There's others that need to say, you know what, it's important for me um, to actually have relationships with my teammates off the ice that are positive. 
Um, and then they need to find that different dynamic a lot. And, you know, that's a, it's funny. That's a little bit more of a male female thing too. Um, with our sport, with having uh, those two genders playing um, with just an all male and all female team. Um, a lot of our, you know, if you, if you boil it down, our guys can get the, can be okay with those on ice relationships being good. So you bring the percentages and, and we're winning games and great. And if we split off uh, after the game and not talk to each other for a month and we can work with that. Um, but I think our, our female teams in general would need to ensure that there's more of that cohesive nature, both on and off the ice. And it's not just based on, on results on the ice. Um, but I think that's where, you know, having those conversations before you make the team and having those honest um the honest feedback from each individual, but what they're, what they're really needing and what they want out of it. Because um, there's only so much time you spend on the ice. There's, there's a lot of time you spend off the ice. And if it's important to you to have that, that team bond and, and so on. But you know, the thing about curling is we have teams of four. So it's sometimes not easy to hide. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you had mentioned earlier that um, when, when people are, are training for this kind of stuff, you'll, you'll get the people that we'll find out a little bit later that, you know what, this isn't exactly what I, what I need to be doing right now and end up backing off versus the people that stay and, and push for, for, for the end goal there. Um, in, in terms of personal qualities between those type of people, is there, is there something that you see um, all the time with the people that tend to stay longer and always push? Like, are there specific, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not uh, qualities, but, um, I guess like personality features that you see a lot in the champions versus the people that will kind of walk away from it. Um, at the beginning, are there people that you'll see, you know what? I can see this guy dropping off before the end. Whereas these people I'll see going all the way. I think a lot of it comes down to work ethic. I mean, I think we break it down to that work ethic and, and the honest, um, Again, we keep talking about looking in the mirror. We're the hardest people to lie to ourselves as ourselves, right? So when you're not putting in the actual work, um, you're not going to get the the results that everyone's going to get on a consistent basis. You can get a one-off, you know, result that uh, you're, you're proud of and so on. Um, the other thing you see from a consistent basis are our top teams and athletes really enjoy playing, right? So they really enjoy um, preparing for sure, but they're just getting out there and throwing it out and putting what they have against what the other team has and seeing if it's enough. Um, let's just talk about relentless pursuit. It's just that relentless pursuit of um, acknowledging where they're at and changing. So um, there's that constant reevaluation of, of where we're at, where we need to get to, what we need to do that to get there, and then full stop. So we've done that. So where's the next gap that we need to fill? Um, and so many of us, once we get to a certain level, you know what, there, there's a lot of us in life and in, in the workplace where we get to a certain level, we're like, you know, that's, uh, I'm happy with that. You know, yeah. this, this actually fulfills me and, and so on. Our top teams and athletes, they aren't fulfilled with average, right? And if you said, hey, you know, are you happy to be top 15 in Canada? They'd be like, no, like, it's not my goal here. Top 15, not even top, not five. Like, I'll, I'll be okay with top three, maybe, but the goal is top. Right? Number one, how do we get there? Yeah. The interesting thing is they know how they're getting there. So there's no, there's, there's a plan and there, there's a work ethic behind that. There's a lot of teams that's, you know, they, they say, they put it out there, you know, what are you trying to do this year? Well, I'm trying to be top in the world. Yeah. And then you look at their plan and there's a picture of uh, this guy in the background. He just, <laughs> right. And there's, there's hope. And again, that's why some of us buy lottery tickets. 
um, our top athletes and so on, they're not looking for the lottery ticket win. They're looking to, you know, when they win and step on the top of the podium, um, the cool thing about looking in the mirror that day is you, you can, you can pat yourself on the back and go, well done. And you know, the work ethic was there, you know, the, the work and the hours and, and both on and off the ice and in the gym paid off the time away from your family. Um, but there's a lot of those teams. We have 42 teams right now involved in our Olympic trials process, 21 men, 21 women. Um, there's a lot of those teams that there were, there was a little bit of hope uh, involved in the process. And uh, some of them though, though they won't uh, recognize that they won't be uh, brutally honest with themselves of their team. And there's a lot of the, those other teams that, you know what, they've checked off all the boxes. They might get to the competition and realize that their A game wasn't um, what they needed now. So now they go back to that circle and say, okay, where are those gaps? And where do we need to prove the next time? But it's really, um, you know, you can go into a, a competition and um, get beaten. But what you don't want to do is get into a competition and know you're going to lose based on what you haven't done. Um, so if, if my A game doesn't match up to your A game and you win the gold medal, but I've done everything I knew possible to improve, then great. You might show me a few new categories that I didn't know existed. So off we go to change those. Yeah, absolutely. And that uh, also brings up the the concept of success in general, because um, people, as you mentioned, work very hard, um, like numbers of years in order to try and get to, to the Olympics and, and trying to win those golds and stuff. Um, for, from your perspective, what what, what do you consider to be a success when, when you're working with athletes? Like, is it the gold medal or is it part of the training or is it getting to the Olympics? Um, what, what do you define as success from, from your perspective? I think, I mean, the biggest one is, is just that success isn't a fluke, right? So whether we hang a medal around our neck or not, knowing that the, the work's been there and the training's been there and we, we achieve some of those small goals along the way um, is, is important. Our, I mean, uh, the the step-by-step -step procedure always ends up here on top of the podium, right? So when we're looking at the long-term plan, there's always an event and there's always a place that we want to get to. Um, so acknowledging that. So a lot of our development teams, um, all the way here, it, it says Olympic gold medal. Um, but down here, there's a placing in the Olympic free trials that's happening right now. Um, if they get to Olympic trials is what we're trying to do. Because we need that process, this this Olympic cycle, um, this part down here has, has a lot of, um, you know, training and, uh, markers beside it. And then there's a lot of hope up here, right? So we can acknowledge this little hope and if, if things go our way, um, but then there's teams like, so, um, our top three to five teams, you know, there's no hope involved in this entire plan. It's all about, you know, this is what we need to do, whether it's percentages or practice or whatever. And if we get there, this gives us an opportunity to, to win there. The interesting thing about sport, it comes down to one game. Right. So you, you, you get into the final or the semifinal and, um, you know, we're sweeping the winning rock down the ice to win by one. And uh, my buddy trips and falls um, on the ice and kicks the rock. Well, that, that's the end of the game. So we lose. Uh, and that's the and again, that's why we all watch sport. You look at those top 10 highlights and most of us are equally interested in watching the, uh, the successes as we are watching the failures. Right. Those bloopers. And I think that's why the sport is so re um, relatable to life is we've all been there and uh, it's nice to talk about the successes, but we can sometimes relate way more easily with the failures uh, than anything else. And it pains you and it makes you sick to your stomach, but you're like, I've been there. I get it. Um, our top athletes. So in terms of success, they get right back up 
recognize hey, if it's not if it's not in their control it's not in the control um other times you'll hear those people just talk about all those things that you know um the weather was bad the flight was late the food was bad and then the other the, our top athletes you know wasn't that it was it was me yeah because those top athletes most likely went through the exact same things and yeah. uh, looked at it just from, from a different perspective and i think that's one of the biggest things about failure um, and certainly one of the reasons that I actually wanted to start this podcast was um, a lot of people have asked me over the years, how do you keep doing things and trying these things? Like, I'd be terrified to start something like this. And my answer is always, I am. Uh, I am terrified. I am scared of what I'm doing. But if I don't give it a try, then I'll never know if I can succeed doing it. But I certainly can't succeed if I never try. And the answer is always going to be no if you don't ask. So if if you don't push yourself beyond that, that process of, you know what, rather than bitching about it, I'm just going to go past what has happened and just keep on going. Then you really can't get to the success or even the failure that might push you on to the next thing. And that's kind of what my hope is, is listening to different stories from different people in different industries to realize that there's a very common commonality between everybody that um, the people that succeed succeed because they're willing to push past that potential for failure and to look at those failures to, to learn from them and to look at the success and learn from that as well. Um, obviously you've got a pretty, pretty good uh, definition of uh, success and where you've gotten as a coach. Um, where did you get your kind of, where did, where did your standards come from? Like uh, while you were growing up, where, where did you get your sense of pushing forward and, getting into the competition side of things and trying to help people move forward as opposed to just walking away at the end there. I think a lot of it is, is recognizing that uh, those top teams have some, some similarities and, and when, when, when teams like that, like when, they, when they tap you on the shoulder and say, you know what, you've got something that we need. Um, you know, we all feel pretty good about that to say when someone said, looks, you know, I say, you know what, you can help me do this. And um, the biggest thing at the end is, is that whole thank you. Right. So as much as we'd like to think it's about uh, gold medals and stuff, it's, it's really cool working those, working those teams and, and athletes when they come back and say, you know, thank you so much. And I just want to say that you had a, you had a piece to, to play in that. Um, those are the, those relationships and so on. It all sort of comes back to that and recognizing that. Uh, so we have the teams and stuff wanting to be the, the best they want to be. But part of my job is making sure we're staying on top of it from a professional standpoint. Um, so how I coached and, and instructed and, and worked with these athletes on the ice in 2004 is radically different than what I do now. And, and I hope it's radically different five, 10 years from now. You know, there's going to be some underlying, um, some underlying uh, understanding and so on, but then just, you know, approaching it. Because I want them to come to practice and training thinking, wow, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Um, but then making sure I've connected the dots at the end of that practice to then they look at you like, Oh, okay. I get it. Right. And just, um, you know, one of the challenges we always get from, from coaching is trying to, um, present some material in a different way. So a different team or a different athlete can get it. Cause it's, um, our understanding of, of things is, is way different as individuals. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, it's working, having the ability to work with those teams. If you talk to me when I was, you know, 23, 24, just coming out of teacher's college. And uh, he had huge interest in, in curling that I'd be going to, you know, in, in um, 20 years time, I'd be getting ready for my fourth Olympics. I'd, I'd laugh at you. Um, you know, not to say that it wasn't there and wasn't, it wasn't something that I thought about. Um, but, but it's, 
you know, it's getting those opportunities and, and saying, yeah. So after five years of teaching, I took a year leave at Adams to take a, a $20,000 contract here in Calgary. Um, and now you're, you know, you're renting So again, you're, you're taking those, those chances. Um, mm -hmm. But I think we, when you, when the team see that and those athletes see that they recognize that you're in it for all the right reasons too. And a lot of it's selfish. Like I, I want to get to those big events and, and um, hang out with these and a lot, you say hang out, but it's, it's being in those moments when you're with these top teams while they're doing all these crazy things and then being prepared to help them if they need it. Um, but also having the maturity and, and understanding that, you know, sometimes our roles are just to stay back and, and let success run and then whatever they need in the, in the side door um, to help. And then, you know what, if we're not succeeding, then have the tools and the ability to jump in when it starts. You know, last Olympic uh, when, with the boys, um, we were one and two at the start. And then they looked the coaching staff in the eye and said, hey, um, we need your help. So we, we didn't go, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Um, right. But then we said, you know, a quick little meeting and we had, we had some tools and, and things to, uh, get ready. And the cool thing is when you, when you hear that team acknowledge that they'll acknowledge that, uh, our first team meeting after, you know, before the fourth game as being pivotal in, and them winning. And then that became a consistent process that we went through every game, uh, leading up to the final. And again, it's, it's really cool to see those and, and acknowledging though that the, it wasn't me winning the games. Right. There's a, we always say them, we're here to maybe provide half to one percentage point to your, your success. Um, but we don't ever want to take away from it. We'll always acknowledge those athletes and teams, what they said it before, what they do on the ice is, is uh, unbelievable to me to watch. It's fascinating to, to watch our top performers perform at the top level. It's also equally fascinating sometimes watching them fail and, and seeing why that is. And then, you know, helping them get back to that uh, opportunity and hopefully get on the podium. Absolutely. Um, it can definitely be fascinating to watch, but it can also be kind of horrifying to watch. I know I'm not a big sports person myself, but I have experienced that kind of feeling as well. Um, I remember when the Calgary Flames first went to the playoffs for the first time in like a decade. Um, yeah. A friend of mine managed to get tickets to game six round two and I got to go and they lost and, you know, I'm not a big sports fan, but being in an arena with that many people that hyped about that level of competition and you could feel it in the arena when they lost, like you could feel everybody just be like, oh, oh no, like <laughs> the, the, the collective grievance that, that happened was something I have never experienced before and have never experienced since, but it's definitely something that... Um, I could imagine from a coaching perspective, both the, the highs and the lows feeling the same kind of thing as your team either goes up or down. And um, considering that, um, since you've been in this for, for so long now, what, what would you consider to be your biggest failure uh, over the years and how did you kind of overcome that? Oh, that's a solid question. Um, I think, it, I mean, at the start you want to be, I think we all want to be difference makers, right? And it's uh, it's acknowledging at the, you know, when I was young and, and so eager and so on, it was always trying to be up front and so on. And, and and once you get in there and you see some of our our top coaches and so on do their job, there's there's that understanding that sometimes you have to be in front of the camera and sometimes you got to be beside it and sometimes you have to be nowhere to be found. But it's that uh, that's ability to to be that chameleon a little bit and and change with the roles that uh, and it, I think it comes with maturity. I, I don't think. Uh, I'd be here um, doing what I am now if I wasn't that person back when I was 
you know, 28, 29 and, and wanting to, to do all the education and, and work and fly around the country to help different teams out. Um, but if I could talk to that person, I would say, you know, just, it's, it's okay to just, uh, just go over here for a second and, uh, and just, you, you know, your shit, um, people know, you know, it. you don't need to just barf it out there any chance you get. And, uh, and nowadays, you know, I, I don't take it personally if teams, uh, aren't asking the questions I wait and, uh, when asked and when presented with opportunities, jump in and, and then your hundred percent is still your hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's uh, quite common for for people to have like an imposter syndrome uh, from time to time where, you know, you, you know all this stuff, but every once in a while you just question yourself and be like, should, should I be doing this? Like, <laughs> am I the right person for this? And then to come back around full circle and be like, yeah, no, I am. And just got to gotta believe in yourself and, and trust in yourself as well. So um, uh, one last question uh, before we end things off here. If if you could give one piece of advice to an athlete that is struggling to overcome a failure or overcome a specific deficiency, um, kind of what, what what would you tell them? I mean, a we went back to tripping on the sidewalk. Ensure you have the data to to identify that is deficiency, and that and if it is, I, I think in everything is get those. You don't have to do you don't have to do that improvement yourself. Um, the interesting thing in sports, we have that built in, right? There's coaches and experts that you turn the page and sometimes you assign them in professional sport and other times you got to find them in, in amateur sport. Um, but I think in, in, in life and in business, we don't do that. Like we recognize that we have personal deficiencies, um, but I'd say nine times out of 10, we just try to battle it and work on ourselves and we, we just turn to Google or something. But in sport, it's, it's, uh, it's just known. You phone up or email or text your coach and say, hey, um, here's what I'm thinking. Um, please um, corroborate that and see if you agree. And then they, they don't even go, oh, I don't know. They look at you and say, okay, well, fix it. Um, how do, what do I need to do? And again, that, that's when we have, to, we have to trust that there's experts out there um, in, in everything. And uh, I think the, the biggest uh, vote of confidence you give yourself is acknowledge what you think you're the biggest expert in. Go find a better person and see what you can learn in, in those, those areas of strength as, as well. Cause we're, we're so interested in improving the areas of deficiency, but um, there, there might be some strengths of ours that we have no idea um, that there's some deficiencies in. So trying to find those ongoing experts and mentors out there that can help you um, is, is something I think the business world can take from sport. Cause um, we, we sort of mandate it sort of built into the structure of sport. Um, it's not built into the structure of life. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more with that. And actually, I, I have told quite a few people um, in, in on the business side of things because um, you've known me for, for a little bit here. I'm, I'm very uh, web techie. So um, anytime people are starting up something new, I always suggest things like meetup groups and um, looking around at those meetup groups and talking to different people to see if you can find um, the smartest guy in the room that could possibly be a mentor for you in that area and always surround yourself with people that you totally. can find information yeah. out like that. But I mean, uh, so many, again, we, we've all met them that there's people there, you know, I'm doing this and I'm doing it alone. And if the success comes, it's going to be all mine. Um, but I think when you read all those leadership books and, and so on, that's rare. Right. But again, lottery, yeah. lottery wins happen. Um, and so it's not to say that it doesn't happen, but I think when you, you listen to all those guys in their fifties and sixties who, who are sitting on all those wins or those, uh, whether it's business or sport wins, um, they have, they can tell you this, they can tell you the stories of, 
of who's helped them and, and, and why they've helped them. And, and again, they would say the same thing, like surround yourself with really good people, but then don't, I would say that just don't assume those, those really good people today are going to be what you need in, in three or four years from now. Um, you know, like I encourage a lot of the teams is, you know, whatever I say to you, um, if you believe it's all will challenge me because hey, whatever I suggest, I should be able to back it up, but then go find some other opinions too and, and make whatever information your own and, and, uh, and hopefully you win with that because um, it's going to be up to, you know, it, it comes down to we're, we're absolutely responsible for our own success or failure. It's just a lot of us don't have the ability to acknowledge that. I agree. And that's, uh, I think, why one of my slogans is sometimes a teacher, always a student, because I, I realized years ago that um, continuing on with that education and learning when new stuff comes out, trying to figure out new and better ways to do things can help you grow as a person, uh, even if you're not trying to achieve a specific uh, goal out of it, you know, just having that knowledge, you never know when you're going to be able to help somebody else through something. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's always great. Um, thank you so very much for uh, participating today. I know you're uh, really busy and uh, no, no worries. I hope, uh, everything goes well up uh, to the run to the Olympics here. Perfect. Thanks, Craig. Right. Thank you very much. And uh, for all the listeners out there and viewers, we'll uh, see you next time. Have a great week or have a great month.